Hello and welcome to JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. I'm Meera Chandan from the FX Strategy team, and I'm joined by Arindam Sandelia uh, from FX Strategy, but in Singapore. So um, it's been a pretty stark turnaround in the sentiment in um, in the currency space. Uh, we've had uh, the dollar, which had been sort of grinding weaker and had been in pretty tight ranges, has suddenly broken out uh, to the upside. Uh, we've had a percent and a half uh, strengthening in trade weighted terms, and we're sort of getting back uh, to uh, the highs uh, uh, year to date that we've seen in the broad index. Um, and I think the most interesting thing here in the last couple of weeks has really been uh, what's going on in China. We've seen a very sharp deceleration in growth momentum. We, we squat an indication of that in the PMIs uh, a couple of weeks ago, but also followed um, that followed up with pretty sharp um, round of disappointments on the credit creation data as well as uh, as well as this week with retail sales, IP and fixed asset investments. So um, this all of this has prompted the very first uh, growth downgrade from our economists following the reopening. Um, so this is, I think, uh, what we should consider a big deal, but we want to get the Asia perspective here. So let's start with Arindam. Arindam, what's your take on um, on the abrupt loss in China's uh, growth momentum? Hey, Mira. Yeah, it's been quite the week, hasn't it? Uh, it's probably you know, one of the more important weeks in the year that we've encountered so far. The uh, loss of China growth momentum that you referenced, it's, it's really across the board. You look at the April uh, activity data that came in earlier this week. Uh, fixed asset investment came in notably below expectations. Uh, infra FAI and manufacturing FAI were okay. Uh, but uh, disappointingly for us and the market, uh, real estate FAI slowed further. Uh, on the housing side of things, uh, new home sales and starts also fell in April. This is the most disappointing part of the data flow uh, from my perspective because uh, this was one bright spot in the general drift of China data through the year. The market had come in with very low expectations and for the last few months, uh, the delivered data was beating those expectations, albeit at, at lower levels, and that preserved some hope that you could get uh, a continued series of beats on housing, which is absolutely central to consumer sentiment uh, and even uh, you know, significantly business sentiment in China. But the fact that you're seeing uh, negativity on this front, I think, is, is a huge dampener, and I think some of the large market moves we have seen in CMYFX in particular and uh, the general China-linked asset space in general is, is linked to, to this housing disappointment. Okay, so so the break in dollar CNY above seven is clearly getting a lot of attention, um, you know, and these these round of disappointments are real. Um, can you give us some context on whether the weakening that we've seen in the Remnimbi is actually a genuine basket weakening, and um, and what is the outlook uh, going forward? Uh, yes, I think there is an element of uh, genuine basket weakening because, uh, you know, as we know, the CNY basket has been trading in a very tight range between 99 and 101 for most of the year. So we've broken below 99 uh, this week. Uh, so you could say that, yes, there is a CNY component. Uh, but I think the bulk of it is being driven by general broad dollar strength. And that's something I guess uh, you know, we'll talk about a little later. Uh, but uh, we'd also also mentioned that uh, this seven zero break that's getting a lot of attention. Now, some of this is just um, reflexive for markets because we've seen previous instances of seven zero breaches uh, that are quite dramatic in nature. But this is not that. Uh, this is not the seven zero break that happened during the uh, trade war for the first time, uh, because there was a lot of market-related technicals, non-linearities associated with that break, lot of option values, and so on. 
This time around, it was much less dramatic because I guess the, uh, the authorities are far more battle-tested in terms of navigating levels in market. Uh, we also see not much signs of panic in other pockets of the uh, of the FX market. For example, in FX options, yes, vaults have picked up. Yes, risk reversals have picked up from you know one-year lows. Uh, but these are nothing uh, to write home about in the big scheme of things. These are not China-centric, panicky markets by any stretch. Uh, where does dollar CNY go from here? Well, when we try to benchmark uh, what CNY FX has done relative to rate differentials, I'm fully cognizant that rate differentials have not been a good anchor over a long history, but at least over the past 12 to 18 months, they have been. And relative to US-China rate differentials, we are tracking a little more than 1% higher on dollar CNY. It's a shade below one standard error uh, misalignment. I don't think it's massive. At uh, the peak of last year's uh, CNY weakness, this went to two and a half uh, sort of standard deviations. If that were to be the scale of your overshoot this time around, you can uh, entertain targets around 720. But I don't think we're going to get there in a rush because there are lots of Chinese corporates with uh, a well-known accumulated hoard of dollars that will come in for sale. There was an anecdotal uh, color today that this was happening at various points, which is why we've seen an intraday and tape in dollar CNY. Um, so in my mind, you know, reasonable targets for dollar CNY would be somewhere in this 710, 715 sort of area. And I'm not envisioning this as a vicious sort of uncontrolled sort of move. I think this is going to be you know, relatively orderly. Okay, and um, and obviously the interesting question whenever we get a China downgrade and any kind of uh, big dollar CNY moves is whatever what is the spillover to the rest of Asia? Um, do you see this as a major theme uh, for the region as a whole going forward? When dollar CNY moves, it always matters for Asia, so you can never say that the impact is zero. But having said that, I think this might be a little less impactful than uh, previous episodes. Uh, for two reasons. One is uh, there was a well-acknowledged um, sort of understanding that uh, this is a different kind of China recovery you know, with a largely services angle to it. And the services links between China and the rest of the world are just not as uh, as large. And of, of course, there are pockets like uh, you know, Thailand and Singapore, et cetera, that benefit from Chinese tourism. But that was about it. And these, these spillovers were not as large as they might have been in the past when China grew for other reasons like investment and so on. And the second is uh, the most uh, acute impact of CNY FX moves tend to be felt in North Asia because they share you know, tight manufacturing linkages and so on. Uh, but the street already came into this, this episode with a, a reasonable underweight or short exposure to, to North Asia, largely for geopolitical reasons, encouraged by uh, the relative rate differential dynamic in things like Taiwan. Uh, Korea has not traded well for a while. So I don't think uh, you know there is a pocket of uh, offsides North Asian FX longs that are going to be rinsed in a in in, in, an, uh, in a vicious form. I think uh, what we're seeing of the last uh, few days is is actually having more of an impact on South Asia, where traditionally the CNY links tend to be a little looser, uh, and that's largely a function of positioning because the market has held more better performing South Asian currencies over the last few months. And you can see this in the performance of things like, you know, Thai baht, even the Indian rupee. Uh, so I think some of that technical de-risking will still have some room to run. But on the whole, I'd feel like uh, Asian FX is, uh, I, I wouldn't quite call it insulated, but Asian FX has taken some pain uh, over the last few months. We still think that Asian FX for preference is a better short, but uh, maybe the spillovers from this immediate event is, is not as large as it was in the past. 
But let me turn that around to, to you, Mira. So CNY has been one node of very visible FX market reaction this week. The other thing that has not passed unnoticed is that alongside the CNY, uh, for some reason or the other, the euro itself has also turned. Uh, it was a long-held sort of darling trade for the market for the last few months. You know, what has happened there? Is it the same same story as China? Are there other links? Uh, I think I think this is kind of an interesting uh, strand for us to explore. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, look, it's worth taking a step back and assessing what the view um, that we had for the year was. Um, the outlook, um, you know, was that euro dollar would be well supported in the first half at around the 110 level, uh, given that there is a shelf life um, to this growth momentum that we were seeing out of both Europe and um, China. Uh, although admittedly, it was questionable how long the shelf life has to it. But the idea was that um, the China reopening would be sort of a multi-month phenomenon. The boost that euro, uh, the eurozone gets from energy prices falling off a cliff uh, would also have um, a multi-month um, uh, longevity to it. And in this environment, uh, without um, you know an absolute crisis, um, a financial crisis or something like that, that actually euro dollar could continue to test high and be well supported, um, you know, around 110. And the expectation was that as we get into the second half, you would see that range move lower. Um, uh, you know, we had a midpoint of 108, but that range in my mind was 105 to 110 because, um, you know, we do have um, still uh, geopolitical concerns in the region. There's still longer term energy vulnerability issues. Um, and as you mentioned, um, around the, uh, the reopening in China was of a different variety, very services, very services driven. So, um, look, uh, you know, as far as our view on euro dollar is concerned, we had a bullish bias in recent weeks. To me, the biggest concerning development um, at the end of the day was um, was twofold, actually. One was related to the European region itself, uh, which is that our economic activity surprise indices, uh, which had a pretty good gauge of um, you know, how uh, growth uh, outturns are uh, occurring in relation to consensus forecasts. Those surprise indices had basically um, gone to zero and even turned slightly negative, meaning that growth surprises were running out of steam in the region. Um, and importantly, you know, the China um, data turned very abruptly in the last couple of weeks, I think has been a very big deal because at the end of the day, the euro is about um, is about growth. You know, you tend to see strength in the euro um, uh, so long as growth um, in, outside the U.S., particularly in China and Europe, is doing well. And, um, you know, to me, you know, the expectation, you know, and, and clearly to markets as well, the expectation wasn't that we would run out of steam so abruptly in China. So, um, you know, to me, the, the, the weakness that you've seen in Euro is basically representative of uh, macro investors paring back on uh, any kind of growth uh, trades and exposure they had. And I think Euro dollar was very much part of that. Um, so how much um, how much can euro dollar continue to weaken from here? Um, I, I think the flash PMIs next week are going to be quite an important piece of the puzzle. But if I just purely look at um, uh, you know the downgrade that we've seen in um, in China so far, um, you know it's worth about a cent um, on euro. That's not very much because it kind of sort of says that euro dollar should be around one or nine. But I think the important thing to keep in mind is that these downgrades usually don't tend to be a one-off, and there is a position overhang here. And if you say that okay, at least that position overhang should sort of go to neutral, then that could very much bit us back to sort of the 105, 106 area. So I do think 105 can be tested here. 
Um, can we get to parity in the near term? I think that's a whole different question. When we were below parity back in September and October, uh, gas prices, TTF, were well, was well above 120 then. Uh, we're in our 30s now, so and, and there is a supply glut in the region. So I don't think that we're going to get that kind of, um, I don't think we're going to get back to that um, in short order. Uh, you also had stuff that was going on in the UK with the list trust government that made people more risk averse as well. So a lot has to go wrong to sort of get us back to sort of the sub parity level. But if you ask me, yeah, the near term bias here, I can see a further unwind in uh, investor appetite on growth trades. Uh, that sort of brings us back to the 105 uh, part of the region. So very much like you, I think not looking for a complete, uh, you know, sort of floor being pulled under us, uh, out from under us, but it's really more about um, this, this This should suggest sort of uh, more risks in the near term, or at least lower conviction at a minimum. All right. So you know, if you think about then the broad dollar uh, from a bottom-up perspective, um, Euro is not playing to script. Uh, CNY has abruptly started to not play to script. Uh, we saw a turn in uh, in sterling as well uh, after having disappointed uh, bears for a while. So if you add up these major currencies against the dollar index, is it fair to say that the dollar index has now turned? Or would you go so far as to say that we've seen the lows in the dollar for the year? Um, yeah, I would I would concur with that. And then, um, you know, the big, the big um, team for FX um, has really, you know, so far this year has really not been about the dollar. It's been about other things like a search for carry. And if you look at the broad dollar index so far, it's been in a narrow range, um, despite the fact that end of cycle concerns are paramount for investors and ourselves included. Um, you know, the big offsetting factor that kept the dollar index pinned down despite the US dollar giving 5% yields is this really big counterweight in the form of growth that you are getting out of China and out of Europe. And if that is not running out of steam, I think the dollar is freer to strengthen and it's going to be a lot more sensitive to any kind of, um, you know, stresses we see in the banking stress system or um, any kind of additional uh, uh, issues we see around growth. So, um, yes, I, I do think that um, that the bias on the dollar here has shifted. Um, and, uh, and certainly that's being reflected in some of the growth signals we look at in recent weeks, uh, you know, we, we we tend to point to our growth momentum model, for example, which had been short dollar till a few weeks ago and sort of started to neutralize that. And I should stress, like on paper, this is still very much neutral territory, but I think it's not lost on all of us that end of cycle trades uh, following such massive amounts of, uh, you know, central bank tightening is is something that um, that we want to prioritize. Um, and, and sort of keep keep in focus. So so certainly that that should uh, warrant dollar strength here, or at least a bias towards a stronger dollar going forward. Um, I think on the euro block, I should just add that it's you know it's a bit harder to sort of sit here you know having having a longer term view, but then actually being able to monetize that uh, through actual trades as the market is transitioning through this difficult macro environment is a whole different matter. And um, as we typically find, and I'm sure you know you you see this in Asia as well with the CNY, uh, when euro weakens, uh, you know, or when CNY weakens, it's the other currencies in the block that tend to get hit more uh, harder. 
And, and I would say similarly, if the euro is going to one or five, it's really the other currencies, you know, the high beta complex uh, currencies in the region that that should be more affected. So I would put sterling in that bucket. I would certainly put Norway and Sweden in that bucket as well, uh, with Swiss sort of looking better supported. So I think um, I think there are going to be other expressions of uh, sort of this, you know, sort of this euro downturn that probably fare better than 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 euro dollar itself. So we'll stop there. Thanks, Arundham, for joining us. Uh, please take a look at our website, jpmorganmarkets.com, if you need more information on our research. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Uh, please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023 JP Morgan Cheese and Company, all rights reserved. Uh, this episode was recorded on May 19th, 2023.